First of all, I just need to say that I get these calls all the time. It's so frustrating for me that the world constantly looks at these kids as bad and that constantly I'm right about this issue. And as many times as I'm right, it doesn't help for the next people who look at me like I'm crazy. And for the next hundred people, and the other 10,000 people out there in the world, and the other million people out in the world who don't, can't fathom it. I went to speak to a gadol on Cholomite, and he said, what's going on? Everyone says these kids are all molested. It's crazy. It can't be. And I said, listen, I, I don't get into statistics and numbers. I could just tell you that every kid that I ever met who opened up to me after I proved myself to them told me that they were molested. And every parent coming to me, every, eventually, if they listen to me, within like two years, of two, two and a half years of coming to me, I get that phone call. So it's, and here again, you have a kid that you came to me when I told you that this is molestation, you probably rolled your eyes, come on, how can it be? You push it, this, this, your son's entire life story and all of your years of pain, of your pain of your son, the way he's acting, is all a misunderstanding. You have to think back to all the Agmas Nefesh that you had, all the blame that you blamed of him. He did this. He acted this. How come? Why? Why is he? But it doesn't make sense. And looking down at him and the frustration that you had, all because he was stabbed by a silent knife in a terrorist attack, and he acted normal. This is normal reaction that not everybody has, but you can't judge, and certainly they're not choosing to have this reaction. It's a normal reaction to have to trauma and all the frustration you had with him and all his frustration and, and, and deterioration. And he's living, he's living a different life now. And then having to live with his parents and his grandparents and the whole community in various levels looking down at him to silently, to openly, to, he's the problem. He is the problem of, of Kali's job. Can you imagine what it's like for him? That he's the, he's the problem? He's an innocent nine-year-old kid who was sent to camp and was a good boy and then and, and went into the woods with a guy who's... So for me, my frustration is to the moon. And it doesn't help that now you know your story. It doesn't help the person next to you. And then, you know, as much as you can, you have to, you have to I don't know, share, at least in group, at least to tell people to believe in these kids that when they're acting cuckoo and not normal and throwing away... Tyra and life and everything, there's a good reason for it. He always was very into the hypocrisy, and I kept thinking, like, who's so hypocritical right. in your life? And I'm thinking, wow. It's almost a, a, they're stuck, they're forced to say these words. They're forced to say there's no God. So how could it be a God? I dive into Hashem. I said, Hashem, I'm nine years old. Please help me that he should leave me alone. Please help me that I shouldn't go tomorrow. Please help me that I should know how to how to tell this. Please, they dive into Hashem. Hashem does not answer for whatever reason. So, of course, there can't be a God. And they're, or they're angry at God. Or they're atheists. I mean, they're so not wrong. They're so right. And then we come in with all of our righteous indignation. In other words, we're not just angry at them because you like vanilla and I like chocolate. We're, we have the Torah. We have the full, the whole spectrum of Klal Yisrael and all the diaries behind us when we look down at them. And in the name of Torah, in the name of Klal Yisrael, in the name of God. This is, this is the story. Now you have the real story of your child. Your good, sweet child who would be today learning in Brisk or wherever you want, if not for the fact that a, a, a crazy person who probably had his own story stabbed him and was trapped and he didn't know how to discuss it and how to share it 
and it eats up at you, and then you become, you think that you want it, and then you think that you're a piece of garbage, and then it comes to your bar mitzvah, and your hormones kick in, and you start fantasizing about boys, and you don't know if you're gay, and then you, and then you are, you have signals, you have signals of vulnerability, and you have, there's an emptiness inside of you, and there's a yearning, and then you want it. We have kids who go back to the molesters over and over again, and then they, they say to themselves, Look at me, I am the worst person in the world. Why did I go back? I got an iPhone, I got an iPod, I, I liked the attention, I needed it, I wanted it. And then they think they're a sex addict, and then they're doing, playing with themselves and watching crazy porn and gay porn and all kinds of... They're thrown, thrown, thrown into a world. And now we have data showing that the brains do not develop properly. The pushes don't develop properly. That part of the brain is very smart, and then part of the brain which deals with pressure and, and all it goes, it has an emotional breakdown and is the age of six, seven years old. So they can't heal, deal with pressure. They can't deal with anything. And yeah, either they become drug addicts or they become dysfunctional. And some of them say, I got to go to the army because otherwise, you know, I'm never going to be a mensch. The army will make me into a mensch. And they push themselves and they push themselves to, you know, to be like, a, like an army person. Think about the army guy. You know, where his brain is turned off and he's a machine. I'm going to turn myself into a machine. It's my addiction. I'll work on my body. I'll fight for my country. I don't care if I die anyway. I'll be a hero. People will look up to me. People will be scared of me. No one will ever mess with me again. That's why these guys go to the army. For all of those reasons. Unfortunately, they don't have long-term success. Because when they leave the army, so then they're back to being dysfunctional if they ever leave. And they, they still have this, this horrible damage inside of them. And they still have all the other... So I think that before we talk about what to do, we can't gloss over the fact that you just found out that your troubled Russia is a tzaddik. You just found out that all the avarice he did is not on his cheshman. And you just found out that all the tzar he gave you was from somebody else. And that's, that's a lot to digest. It's a lot to digest. You have to think back to every time you misjudged him, and every time he felt misjudged, and every time society misjudged him, community misjudged him, in the name of Torah and Hashem and Halacha and all that is good, and, and you have to try to internalize that pain that he had and really commit to never ever letting him feel in any way that feeling again, that I'm not good enough, or I'm not what you wanted. The same as if he was in a terrorist attack and the terrorist blew up a bus and he lost his legs that that child should never feel that because I can't walk, can't walk to shul, can't put on tefillin, I have no arm, that I'm, I'm a disappointment to you, I'm not what you wanted, or, you know, you, you dreamed of a different child. It's a lot terrifying, but you should feel happy. You should feel relieved that your child is not a Russia, and your child is not messed up, and he didn't choose this, and he's not bad, and all of those negative feelings, they were all being subscribed. It's painful, but I, I'm happy for him that it's basically... Basically, it's like he was on trial for 10 years, and it just, he was just exonerated. He was just set free. They just found new evidence, and they pulled him out of jail. They said, we're not going to kill you. You're not going to be uh, killed tomorrow. Instead, you're free. You're free now. He's now innocent. Your child is innocent. And now you know it. Like, like the hundreds of parents who call me two, three years later and tell me the same story. And the thousands that'll never know because 
A lot of other parents are finding out their kids are actually telling them, which breaks every statistic. Usually that's about two and a half, two to three years after the parents coming to me. And again, it's like, really? This Avi guy was right? Come on. Oh, so all these kids, so all these kids have a story? How can it be? Like, yeah, there's a statistic that one in five of our kids are getting molested, whether it's one in five, whether it's one in six, whether it's one in four. There's a lot of kids. That's If we have 100,000 kids in the system, that's 20,000 kids that are getting molested statistically. And if you don't like it, you could say 10,000. And if you don't like it, you could say 5,000. So why can't we understand that these are the 5,000 kids who are troubled, who need drugs? Every statistic in the world says that kids who are molested, they end up on drugs, they end up with depression. It does something to them. We have a group of kids who are acting out. So why don't we understand that that's the same group? Why do we think, no, the five, 10,000 kids who were molested, even though it could cause all these symptoms, no, they're fine. They're in risk. But these 10,000 kids are rebellious, reshoim, they don't take rules, and et cetera, et cetera. Why don't we understand that this is that group of damaged kids, and they can be damaged for a lot of other reasons also, but there is a statistic of sexual trauma, and it's not one in a thousand. It's a lot. It's a lot to hear again. You know, if I say it to people, they think, I backed off a lot on this thing because people think I'm trying to sell them something. People don't want to hear. In, in England, they called me. They want me to speak in England. I said, you have Shimon Russell in Israel. Why don't you call Shimon? And he has the same accent as you, and he's a much better speaker and presenter than me. They said, no, he's a scaremonger. He tries to scare everybody that our kids are molested. So instead of hugging him and saying, thank you for giving us your experience, they cut him out. They, they're not ready to accept it. And people say, oh, Yankee Horowitz, everything's molestation. And so if I speak about it, they say, Avi Fischer, like I get some kind of a commission to talk about this, like I have some kind of an agenda. You know, it's, it's a crazy thing. It's just the facts. The facts are these kids are good and right, and they're damaged by other people. And the way that they're acting is normal for someone who's damaged. So the first thing you really need to do is, I think it's a good cry that your child is innocent, that he's not guilty of all these sins and all these frustrations and anger and time, and money that you spent, and tfilos, I mean, the tfilos are good anyway, but not tfilos, oh my gosh, my son is not putting on and Hashem bring him back, we want that also, but now it's, oh my gosh, he was stabbed, Hashem take away his pain, get, get rid of his pain, let him be normal, make, it, make his brain um, mature, which it does, it's plastic, and, and let us nurture him, let us have this hook to nurture him back to health. So he can live and not die, not commit suicide, God forbid, not do drugs, God forbid, to be a healthy member of society, which if you're, if you're nurtured by from people, you know, just like, just like people who want to die and then the, the nuns take them in, they become Christian because you, you have a car set aside for the people who care for you and nurture you when you're down and out. If you, if you do that, then it happens to be that's the best way for him to come back to being from, to having a car set aside to the parents, the kesher to the parents, the kesher to the grandparents, all the way back to Hasinai, the Shashela Sakhaydish, reconnecting them. That's the best thing for their trauma as well. The New York Times had an article that I sent around that the best cure for PTSD, for post-traumatic stress disorder, is acceptance by the family and by the community. That's the crazy studies on this stuff, that kids who go through trauma and they're not accepted, the trauma kills them.
heavy drugs, suicidal behavior, crazy dysfunction, and those who are accepted by their family and their community, if you Google, Google it, it's unbelievable. Mamish, what we see happening, they're, they're doing studies. We don't need studies. I see it daily. You keep him close. You tell him how much you love him. You don't hold anything he's doing that's not correct against him. You're there for him. You douse him with your love and pride. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, yeah, we're proud of him. I'm, we're proud of the Hask child who goes on stage and sings Does that mean that that's what we dreamed of, having a child in Hask? No, but if for a Hask child, he's singing you have You're proud of that. You have to be proud of the child based on, on Basher Hushan, based on who he is. You can't say, you know, you were in a car accident and I really wanted you to run in the marathon and I'm very sports oriented, so I'm never going to be proud of you because you can't run in the marathon. No, you're, you're proud of that kid who was in a car accident and then takes one step. You clap five steps. You're happy and you clap and you, and you hold him and you hug him and you tell him, it's okay, rest up. You don't have to walk again. And we have to do the same thing emotionally every step of the way. Something happened to this child that's so bad that they don't know and don't remember and can't be normal. That's the Holocaust that's happening here. I specifically gave you this 10-minute speech because this is the most important part. To never judge him again, to never look at him bad, to understand his pain, to understand what happened to him, to understand and imagine how bad his life was when everybody was looking at him like, what's the matter with you? Why are you causing us so much sad? Why are you acting this way? Why can't you just behave? Why can't you just be normal? Why do you have to be an atheist or say that you hate God or, or, or be angry at the people who care about you so much and who nurtured you? We spent $100,000 on you to, go to, ed, to get educated in yeshiva and, and, and you should call us hypocrites? What, what did we ever do to be hypocrites? Why are, you so, why are you so anti? Why are you so full of hate? Why are you so full of anger? Why are you so frustrated? Why, 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 why? All those whys? Aniyasis. That's what it says in the Mepharshim. The Shvatim had so many questions. And not only that, but he, he was, he's, he's mature enough at this point to ask himself these questions as well. And he probably buried this really, really deep that he can't reach to it to answer the question. It's a question he asks himself. And he's voiced it to me. He's like, I just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just, I need to get away from this place, from this, this whole system. You know, that was his word. Saddest part of this whole thing is they themselves don't connect the dots. They don't know why their brain doesn't make sense. They don't know why can't I. We, we, the parents and the community and the family say, why can't you get up in the morning? And they answer with F you. But really what's going on in their own mind is they're thinking, why can't I? Why do I hate Hebrew words? Why do I, why when I hear the word Shalom Aleichem, do I, do I have, feel like I have uh, my stuff crawling on my skin? Why am I dysfunctional? And part of their brain is so smart. And they can give anybody the best advice. And all of a sudden, they look in the mirror and say, why can't I? And this goes on hundreds and thousands of times at a younger age until they have the breakdown. And then they stop looking for answers because there are no answers. There are no answers. And the question is, what do we do? I mean, part of me is like, I wish I could go to these 10,000 people and put on YouTube and explain to them that if you have these symptoms, you should know if you were molested, this causes that. Get help for your pain and trauma. You don't have to go through all these symptoms. You don't have to deal with depression and anxiety medication and, and wanting to kill yourself and bipolar disorders. And all of this stuff is a result. And I can show them the statistics and I want to teach them that you were stabbed and nobody taught you because you never told anybody. I would love to go out there and tell people, and I don't know 
if that's the right thing to do. And I'm going back to the points that are the most important for the long-term health of your child. I'm going back to crying for this kid who gets molested, who then has symptoms that look like he's crazy and he's bipolar, which are not true, and then gets medication to help his symptoms that are not true, because most of bipolar, in my experience, is not bipolar. It's exactly acting like a trauma victim. It looks like what we would call bipolar. Exactly, if you go online and you, and you, you um, really, really research this, you, you don't even have to research it that much. You go to Dr. Reggie Melrose and you see what trauma does to people. You go to any, to any traumatologist and you see that he was acting normal. And, and because he looked like he's crazy, so we, we called him this and we called him that. He was too young for a real bipolar um, a diagnosis, I'm sure. So they, they say this is bipolar symptoms, but he's too young. They give him medicine. So he's getting medicine that affects your brain to chain your brain to act normal, right? Like putting your, your body in a body suit. That's what it feels like. And the medication that he's getting for the symptoms of the disease that he does not have causes him now rage and anger, which happens so much. So he's not at all a party to, there's nobody here at all. And then you have rage and anger, another stabbing against your will, on top of all insults, on top of insults, you become an angry and rageful kid, which, you, which is not your teva. And then you get thrown out of camp. And you don't just get thrown out of camp. You get thrown out of camp and you're told that you're raw and you're bad because I don't even blame the camp. They can't really have a kid who's full of rage and anger in their camp, even if they did it nicely. How are you supposed to have a camp when you have a kid who's acting cuckoo? That's not their job. They're not a psych ward. So the kid, again, as he's being thrown down 10 flights of stairs that just continue and never stop for one second, he breaks an arm, he breaks a leg, he's tumbling, he's tumbling, he breaks his neck, he breaks his this, and he tumbles and tumbles, and each tumble is a complete disaster, trauma, to be diagnosed, to be brought to those therapists, to be brought to the psychiatrist. And then we, we uh, hospitalize the institution for a week. Yeah, and this happens constantly. I have a family here that they called me six months ago. They didn't want to come to me, and their rub wasn't sure if I'm correct and not correct. So what they do, they call the police, and they call the police, and they call the police. She jumped out of a car, a moving car. They didn't understand how, her behavior. They put her in the psych ward in four winds for four weeks or three weeks against her will, and they told them she's not a psychiatric patient. They told them the same thing also. They said he's not bipolar. He's a, a mood disorder, otherwise he's classified, which means they had no clue what was wrong with him. Which is sexual trauma. And they didn't tell you, hey, he matches every symptom of sexual abuse. They don't even tell you. And then we found out afterwards that when he was there, you know, some very sick girl, they were writing letters, you know, all the wonderful things that we were worried about by sending you in the first place. It's the same story over and over. And it's a Pella that Four Winds, which is the best, one of the top psychiatric facilities in the world, gives you back your kid who has very, it takes three minutes to, die, to, to realize that he has every symptom of post-traumatic stress disorder, it has every symptom of a kid who was traumatized, and doesn't even say, by the way, it might be. I mean, even if it was a 10% chance, wouldn't the hospital say, you know, um, okay, the fever went down, but I just got to tell you, a 10% chance it's poison ivy. They wouldn't mention it? Why are you a therapist who worked with him for two years saying anything? He called him uh, bipolar. He gave me a book to read on, uh, on bipolar, telling me about unquiet mind. You know how many therapists he went to? It was never brought up as a possibility, ever. Ever, right. And this is ever. what I've been saying for years, that the therapists are taking kids who have every symptom of trauma, they're not even telling parents 
right? Wonderful, nice parents who are listening to them. They don't even say it's a possibility. They call it anxiety. They call it depression. They call it bipolar. They call it mood disorder. They call it an ADHD. They call it four things, but they did not call it that. Slap on everything. OCD, they'll slap on BPD, borderline personality disorder, which means we really don't know what's wrong with like IBS and stomach. We really don't know what this is called, but there's something wrong. It's unreal. And again, if this was a 10% chance, they should still mention it. But it's an 80, 90% chance. And they still don't mention it time after time. We have hundreds of parents by me who have gone through thousands of psychiatrists and therapists and wards and hospitals, and nobody talks about it. And it's changing. It's changing. Now, if it would happen today, 10 years later, you would hear the word trauma. You'd hear the word traumatologist. You would hear a lot more stuff going on than, than what you heard, which was nothing. No chance. Zero chance that your kid was molested. And meanwhile... He was going through one symptom to the next, given medicine. Go to ReggieMelrose.com and look at her article. She talks about this, that we are giving children medications that don't work because they're being misdiagnosed, that they look exactly. It's called not ADHD, not anxiety, not, not bipolar, trauma. And she's mamish talking exactly what happened to your son. Exactly, exactly, exactly. To thousands of our kids, Jewish kids, because people can't fathom that this could be trauma. Where? Where could it happen? I was always with my kid. I was a stay-at-home mom. Nobody's going to molest my kid. How does that happen? I read about that. It's impossible. They're over-exaggerating. They're, pu- they're pushing numbers. It must be some kind of an agenda. It must be that they make some kind of money by saying that people are... can't be. That's, what we, that, that, that's a fake world, which is most people. But those of us that are, are dealing with this, I get this phone call every month. I get another appearance, uh, another story. Not guess what? We found out. And I'm just here to assist you to go from point A to point B in the direction that I have seen gives you the, the results that you want. You want to see them alive. You want to see them happy. You want to see them healthy. And you want to see them from. That does not happen by rejection it does not happen by them feeling that when I was in my hell, you looked down at me. It does not happen. Even if they get them healthy, they're not going to be from. And even if they are from, it's not going to be because of you. It will have to be because of somebody else. You have no benefit at all if the child feels that my mother or my father feels that I'm a disappointment. You've gained nothing. It does not motivate them to stay clean. That's what motivates them to need to smoke up again. It doesn't motivate them to want to be from. It doesn't motivate them for anything positive in the world. So make sure, regardless of who you go to, that you never give him that feeling. And if you did give him that feeling, then to your dying breath, do everything you can to take that away because you're drowning your own child. This is Avi Fischoff, and I can be reached at twistedparenting at AOL.com.